Hello, I'm Dr. Judy Puddyfoot, a veterinary surgeon from the UK, and this is the Underdog Vet Podcast, home of the Animal Advocate interviews. Join me as I chat to some truly inspiring people who have dedicated their lives to improving the health and welfare of animals around the world. My guests include a variety of people from vets and campaigners to those who have founded or work for animal charities. But one thing they all have in common with you and I is that they're passionate animal advocates. Dotted in between episodes, I'll throw in some pause for thought, where I talk to you about my personal take on subjects inspired by my work as a vet. Hit subscribe to get notified about new releases. Details on how you can get in touch are at the end of this episode, and I hope you enjoy this latest instalment. Thank you so much for listening. Hello! Slightly different episode for you this month. I thought I'd put out the first ever Pause for Thought segment. So welcome! Pause for Thought is where I pick a subject or area from my life as a vet and, well, just talk to you about it, really. The bad news is that it does mean you have to listen to my voice drone on for a bit without any other people to mix it up. But the good news is that I hope you'll find some interesting bits in what I have to say. At least that's the plan. Do get in touch with any areas that you'd like me to chat about in future episodes. The contact details are at the end of this episode. Now, the subject for the first ever pause for thought that I've picked is a nice introductory one. It's called Top 5 Tips to Have a Great Relationship with Your Pet's Vet. So... Let's dive in and get started, shall we? First tip, number one, drugs. I know what you're thinking. No, not those kind. Please, please finish an antibiotic course unless a vet tells you to stop. The thing we really don't want to hear is, oh, it's okay, I've got some of those left from last time you had antibiotics. (laughs) Please, no. Not finishing a course of antibiotics aids antibiotic resistance. That's when antibiotics essentially stop working. And that's not just for pets, that's for us humans too, as we use many of the same ones that your doctor uses. It also won't always clear up the infection fully. And well, he was feeling a lot better, so I stopped them, isn't really a good enough excuse for stopping it. If he's feeling better, it's probably because the antibiotics are starting to work. So please finish the course. Also, please don't throw away the odd quarter of a tablet. For example, if each dose is three quarters of a tablet twice a day, we've already accounted for that extra quarter when we've worked out how many tablets to give you. So you only have to pay for the minimum amount of tablets for a whole course of the medication. So please don't throw away that quarter. This is probably the most important tip for medications. Please, please don't change doses or scheduling or worse, don't stop any medications without talking to your vet first. It's so, so important that some medications such as those for diabetes and epilepsy are not stopped. And some really shouldn't be stopped abruptly as they need to be weaned off, things like steroids, for example. Number two, 
results, lab results, test results, etc. If the vet says to you, the results won't be back for three or four days, what that means essentially is that the results won't be back for three or four days. We're not lying, we're not trying to buy extra time. The lab where we send all the tests tells us how long each test will take before we'll get the results ourselves. And we pass that on to you. Please don't call every 24 hours, starting the very next day, asking if the results are back yet. Getting lots and lots of these types of calls can really slow down receptionists trying to answer other calls. Some of those might be emergencies. Trust us, we will call you with the results as soon as they're in. Having said that, we absolutely try our best to get the results back to you as soon as possible. But sometimes on rare occasions, often due to the limited time available to make such calls during a work day, we have to prioritize contacting owners with results in certain circumstances. And in these circumstances, we will obviously prioritize time sensitive results and results that involve serious or life-threatening conditions over sort of routine or normal test results. Number three, continuity. As vets, we love continuity. We like getting to know you and your pets, but more importantly, seeing the same vet really helps to form a great relationship between you, us, and your pets. It helps us to become familiar with your pet's health, what they like, what they don't like, how many gravy bones they like to eat when they're in, or whether they prefer licky licks if they're a cat, and your preferred approach to your pet's health and care. This really comes into its own with pets that have chronic or lifelong conditions. Being already familiar with the details really saves a lot of hassle for you. For example, not having to explain too much every visit that you come in for that condition. But it also enables us to provide a little bit of a more tailored service for both you and your pet. Please don't be afraid or embarrassed to ask for a specific vet if you have a preferred person you'd like to see. This also goes for any rechecks, not even necessarily chronic or, or lifetime conditions. But, you know, I don't know if your dog has a, let's say, an ulcer in their eye. Then seeing the same vet that you saw for the initial consultation can really help because it helps us to assess for any improvement or if there's been a decline in the situation. So please do, by all means, when you're making that next recheck appointment, do ask to see the same vet that you saw last time if that's something that you're happy to do. Number four, insurance. Please, please, please get your pets insured. I know it can be expensive, but it's never going to be as expensive as a life-saving surgery, for example. I would give you a couple of tips on insurance. Try and get the highest level of cover for vet's fees that you can comfortably afford, whether you're paying for it monthly or on an annual basis. There are different levels of cover. Some will cover you for, let's say, £3,000 worth of vet's fees, or five, nine, up to sometimes 15 or more thousand pounds worth of veterinary fees. I would advise strongly that you get the level of cover that you can afford. It will put your premium up the, the, the more cover you get. So it will cost you more every month or annually to get that. 
but we all know it is expensive to have a pet. Essentially, it's private health care. There is no NHS for animals. This is a private health care policy that you're getting. The other tip I would give you is to get a policy that says it is lifetime cover. So what this means is if your pet needs ongoing treatment beyond 12 months, you know, the first year of that insurance policy, for example, again, diabetes or epilepsy or something like that, then so long as you renew your policy every year, then the pot of money that covers your vet fees will be replenished every year. I remember a few years ago, I worked at the PDSA, the animal veterinary charity here in the UK, and a lovely, lovely gentleman came in with his really sweet little Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And this little cavy had three conditions that were all lifelong, required ongoing medications. And, and this guy, he'd absolutely done the right thing by getting an insurance policy, but sadly, he'd only got a 12-month policy. And now that that 12 months had come to an end, he was now left trying to pay for all of this beautiful dog's medications. He was absolutely beside himself upset. He, he said he could afford all the medications for two of her conditions, but was really ashamed and quite embarrassed that he had to come to a charity and ask for our help to cover the medications for her third condition. Him and his dog, they were so lovely. It was heartbreaking to see just how worried he was that he might not be able to give his beloved dog the medications that she, she really needed. But I am happy to say that all the medications that were necessary were covered. But it just goes to show that even when you think you've done the right thing, there's sometimes a catch. So please, please don't get caught out by this. There's lots more I could say about insurance, but I'll leave that for another episode, I think. Number five, preventative care. There are some things that all pet owners can do to try and help prevent the need for veterinary intervention. We're all more than aware of the current increasing costs of things, so anything that can be done is going to help. So the first thing I would say about is teeth cleaning. I know, I know, I can hear you all laughing and saying, are you joking, Judy? I know, I'm not joking. Honestly, please, daily toothbrushing really does help prevent that buildup of that horrible, nasty plaque and tartar that can lead to dental disease that can sometimes result in, well, not only bad breath, but a pricey dental procedure with potentially having to have some teeth extracted and of course, that requires an anaesthetic too. So if we can try and avoid this by using a really good, what's called an enzymatic toothpaste, especially for cats and dogs. And what that means, enzymatic, is it's got special enzymes in it that sit on the tooth and help to prevent that plaque building up. So if we can do that and try and reduce the need for a dental, it'll be worth it in the long run. Even feeding a dry biscuit diet over a wet, stodgy meat diet can really help keep teeth in better condition. And that's especially true for cats, actually, which I know cat owners listening will be very glad to hear because trying to brush the teeth of a cat, yeah, yeah, you might lose a finger or two. <laughs> Secondly, vaccinations. 
I've been really surprised recently with how many clients I've seen who just weren't aware that cats, dogs and rabbits should ideally have vaccines every year, not just their puppy or kitten vaccines. I mean, let's be honest, the fact is vaccines save lives. They protect against so many horrible diseases that can be fatal. So please, please talk to your vet about annual vaccines for your pets. Many practices now also have a pet health scheme or a pet health programme that you can pay monthly, which will cover all of their vaccines and all of their preventative flea and worm treatment. And I know, again, flea and worm treatment is one of those areas that probably is one of the first to be dropped when there's a, a cost of living crisis. What I would ask is that you please at least keep your dogs covered for lungworm and ticks, because those are the really dangerous little blighters um, as far as parasites go. So next up, neutering. This is most important for female pets, to be honest. Yes, just like in the human world, the females get the brunt of it in the animal world too. It's typical. Female dogs can get a nasty and often life-threatening condition called pyometra. This is essentially a womb infection where they have a womb full of infected pus. This is most commonly seen a few days to a few weeks after their season has occurred. And typically you get a very poorly dog. They have a temperature, which in itself makes them feel pretty rubbish, to be honest. Often they go off their food, especially if they've got a high temperature, they'll go off their food. They're often really quite lethargic as well, as I'm sure you can all imagine if you had a womb full of pus. You sometimes see a smelly discharge coming from the dog's vulva, but not always. So it's really important to get them checked out straight away if your dog is showing anything like this after a recent season. The good thing is that spaying your female dog, and that's the term for neutering a female dog, spaying, the good news is that spaying your female dog obviously prevents them ever getting a pyometra. Again, we fully understand it can be an expensive procedure, but spaying is far, far cheaper than the surgery required to resolve a pyometra. And the surgical procedure is far safer when done in a healthy dog than a really very poorly dog. Now, cats. Well, this is simple. Cats will mate if allowed outside when they've not been neutered. And there are already enough cats in the world, trust me. Research has also shown that male cats on the lookout for females to mate are far more likely to get themselves into trouble, be it fighting with other male cats or crossing lots of roads on the lookout for the ladies. So getting the boys done is also very beneficial and may help to reduce potential vet costs in the future. Those cat bite abscesses that we see from cats fighting and of course the obvious road traffic accidents where cats have been taking chances to run across the road to go and see their girlfriend. It's not worth the risk. Well, I think that'll probably do for this episode. I hope you found it interesting. And I really look forward to bringing you another Pause for Thought later in the series. As always, thank you for listening.
Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you do want to get in touch with me, then you can simply email me on theunderdogvetpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch via Instagram, where you'll find me as, yes, the Underdog Vet Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe via your favourite platform. And please note that the Underdog Vet Podcast is entirely independent. It's just me, Dr. Judy Puddyfoot, speaking as an individual. No affiliations with any organisations, charity or businesses are made or implied unless I specifically mention it. <laughs>